founder of Flowcast back in 2012. Go figure it out. You'll make it happen. They're doing really, really well, scaling 300% year over year with a trailing 12 months from about 3 million in AR to somewhere around 8 million in AR today. That comes from serving over 400 teams of accountants, about 10 per team. Again, helping them with, you know, closing out the books, reconciliation, things like that. Uh, they're spending on average 16 grand to acquire these customers, getting it back quickly. He focuses more on dollar to acquire a new, uh, sorry, money to acquire a new dollar of AR. And he's happy to spend a dollar to dollar 50 on that. If it's annual upfront, they're Scaling quickly, 33 million bucks raised with their team of 95 on the West Coast. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mike Whitmire. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Flowcast. Prior to that, he was the fifth accountant hired at Cornerstone On Demand to help promote uh, prepare for their IPO. He began his career in audit at Ernst & Young in LA, and he holds a bachelor's in accounting from Syracuse University. Mike, are you ready to take us to the top? Uh, yes, I am. You, you, seem, you seem pretty hip and cool to be in anything related to accounting. <laughs> uh, I guess it's the Southern California uh, vibe here, being born and raised in LA, growing up in kind of the entertainment town. Um, and then, yeah, going to accounting. I don't know. I, I really maybe shouldn't have majored in accounting, but it's what I what I ended up doing because I was decent at it. All right. All right. Fair enough. Tell us more about Flowcast. What do you do and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? We build, so at Flowcast, we build closed management software. Um, and what's unique about us is it's by accountants for accountants. So as you just mentioned, my background's in accounting. So it's software that's built out of our very own pain point. And we're a classic software as a service model. So we bill our clients uh, annually for our software. Uh, they pay us up front and pay us every year for it. Very, very classic uh, SaaS stuff. And is it, I mean, is it a pure play SaaS, no professional services, anything like that built on top? We do a small setup up front. So it's not an implementation. It's a small fee that comes along with about a two-week setup process. Um, from there, it's off and running with, with software fees and some light support on our end, but really nothing on top of the, the software fee. That's more of like, a, hey, to reduce churn, we got to get them set up kind of thing versus a, a true revenue stream. Yeah, that's like, let's let's make sure they're getting off on the right foot and they're going to be happy and, and adopt the software within the first month. Totally. Got it. All right. So tell me more about what it actually does. Can you talk about a customer actually paying you today and how they use it? Yeah. So um, what we'll do is we'll get in touch with the customer. We'll understand their pain points. There are generally three or four really common pain points around the month end close. So those are going to be around challenges with collaborating. So a lack of visibility, um, a lack of understanding where different team members that you're dependent on stand in the process. Um, and then an inability to communicate. There's really no good tools for email or for accountants to communicate today other than email or Gchat or whatever. And then some manual work on the back end that's referred to as reconciliations. So the reconciliation process. So those are the pain points we see. We help with all three of those. So we'll onboard a customer. And what we do is our application is built 
Um, the foundation of our app is on a folder structure. So it's really where documents get saved and it's organized in a way that accountants already work today. Yep. So they take a look at it, they log into the application and navigating it's a piece of cake. It's how they've already been working historically. So adoption is really, really easy. And then by integrating with those storage providers like uh, Dropbox recently had their IPO, right? They're one of our integration partners. We're able to access their Excel workbooks to help automate this reconciliation process. And then on the other side of our side of our software, we integrate with accounting systems like uh, Oracle and NetSuite are, are one of our bigger ones, Intact, Microsoft, all those ERPs out there. We integrate with them, pull data over from that side as well and help compare that data to do the reconciliations. Um, that's the big kind of automation piece on the back end. And ultimately what happens is by helping with all three of these pain points, our clients are able to cut time off their close. They cut about 30% off their close time. Executives get financials faster and they're more prepared for an audit. And give me a sense of the size of companies you're working with. I mean, from a pricing perspective, what's the average customer paying you per month? Our average customer. So we, we think about things annually and our average customer has uh, 10 to 15 accountants is roughly the size of the department. And so that's going to work out to a uh, 15 to $20,000 contracts um, with prices inching up uh, every quarter as we, we grow out our solution. So just to be clear, the pr- different pricing levers you'll use, a number of seats is obviously one of them. What other kind of utility-based metrics do you use to drive expansion revenue? It's, it's really, it's number of seats. And then we have a couple modules that are priced a little separately. Okay. Um, so we have, we have kind of your classic tiers of business enterprise and then platinum or whatever we call it. I'm not sure what the name is, um, which has some, some different feature sets within it. And then there are, there's one outside line item. So that's referred to as close analytics, which is something that, you know, it, it provides a lot of value for customers after they've been using the application for say three to six months. So we parse that out separately and they buy it as an additional line item and that's priced as a percentage of the contract value. So not necessarily on a per user fee at that point, Interesting. pseudo per user fee if you think about it though. Yeah. Is there any though like a hard number where expansion driven on, for example, I'm making this up like, you know, you know, revenue you're processing from last year's like statements or is there any like value based metric? The, it, there's nothing based on like a transaction volume or anything like that. It's more the savings around. It's a soft savings sell. So, hey, what's it worth? What's it worth for you to have accountants working less, hopefully less turnover, get your financial statements faster? It's more of a soft ROI discussion, not so much. A, you have X million transactions you're booking. We could save you three seconds per transaction yeah, yeah. as of X minutes kind of thing. Yeah, you're probably doing it in a much better way. It would be very minute to, to tally up all those things. All right. Give us give us more of your backstory, man. When did you launch the company? So we started the company in, I left my job at Cornerstone in late 2012. So that was when I had the idea and it was just me kind of running around trying to make this happen. Um, I met with a startup accelerator in Los Angeles in December of 2012. They're called Amplify LA. Um, So they're down in Venice and I met with them. It was just me and a PowerPoint and I was showing them, walking them through everything. And they, they go, you know, this is great. We love your background. We'd love to have more SaaS companies in the the portfolio, but you need a co-founder and you need a product and a customer before we can even think about giving you money. I was like, okay, that's, that's very very fair, fair, (laughs) fair point. So I went out and made those three things happen. Um, so fun fact, I met my CTO co-founder Cullen on a founder's dating website where you post a profile (laughs) of yourself. And so I was scouring through this website to find CTO candidates in LA. Only Uh, in LA would that happen. Only in LA. Yeah. Right. And it's, I I think we might be the only success story to come out of it, but, uh, but Hey, it worked, it worked for me. So I had lunch with like 20 or 30 different engineers and Cullen and I really hit it off and we, we were working really well together. So we decided to move forward. What was the name of that app, by the way? What was that? What was the name of that app? So the app we were using was called cofounderlab.com. Okay. 
They were subsequently acquired by founderdating.com. So funny. Okay, good. So, so that- the second. Go so ahead. founder dating didn't even try to get around the name. They just went, they just went for yeah. it. Yeah. No, 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 no bars. That's good. All right. So 2012 yeah. and give me a sense of where you were at, like financially in your head. Did you build up a cushion before you quit? So you knew you could take some risk or did you just say, I'm quitting with nothing in the bank. I have to make this thing work. Otherwise I'm screwed. I had, uh, I had built up a little bit of a, a cushion. So I had, I'd gotten a very small option grant when I went to Cornerstone, which ended up being worth, I'll just tell you numbers like 25 grand or something to that okay. effect. So fairly small. So I'm like, okay, I've I've a, I've a little bit of money now, so I yeah, I just jumped ship and quit and wasn't making any wasn't making anything. I was very fortunate. Uh, my wife is in sales. She was a VP of sales and so she was making enough to support us as a family while we were going through that. So we were kind of like paycheck to paycheck as we were going through that. And actually she ended up getting crazy stressed out as she started to make more money and then Flowcast started to do a little bit better. And we were all of a sudden both working all the time. We were both crazy stressed out and, and something had to give. So she actually left her job and then I, and now she's, so we kind of flipped, flipped places there. That sounds like a good marriage to me. Yeah. Very uh, supportive. Yeah. It was there, good. Yeah. All right. And then fast forward to today. So now how many customers are you serving? So today we have about 400 customers. We're creeping towards towards 500. We've been selling the product for three years now. Okay. So we went to market in Q1 of 2015 was really when we started selling the product. So after three years, yeah, about just over 400 customers growing really quickly. We'll be at 500 Q3 of this year. Um, and we have about 95 employees today just moving into our new headquarters in LA. I was going to say, it looks beautiful behind is, you. Where uh, is that? Yeah, we're in uh, we're in Sherman Oaks, so we're one of the the few companies in the valley here. But this is this is quite the upgrade. We've we've come out of these crammed in buildings with you know leaky toilets and no air conditioning, and worked out of a crappy house before that. So it's been uh, we we've come out of some some really janky office spaces to finally like upgrade to a, a actual tech startup place. I, I want to talk more about that in a second. Let me go back to growth though. You said you're growing really fast. What are you growing at year over year? Over 100 percent or what? Yeah, over yeah. From a revenue perspective, it's closer to about. 300 percent is oh, what wow. we're growing so it's yeah it's going really really quickly very and a very in a very much a predictable model though it's been it's been a lot of fun as an accountant doing the forecasting and you know going out and hitting numbers and so we've, we've been able to put together a very kind of smooth growth curve with that all right blake here's the big question though bootstraps or have you raised capital oh no we've we've raised capital oh so we, man uh, i love I, I was so in love with you and now we're just dead no no more founder matching here how much have you raised Well, you're really not going to like the answer to that question. We've raised, (laughs) so we've raised $33 million uh, to date. And it was the vast majority of it was nine months ago. We did a $25 million round um, with uh, with Series B with Insight Venture Partners. So yeah, we've been, now we've taken on some funding. That said, man, it was a grind early on. Like we didn't, um, we ran for about a year and a half on $50,000 where I wasn't taking any salary. That was 2012, 2013? That was 2013 and into 2014. Yeah. So we did the the 50K. So Cullen, my, my CTO co-founder and I were working on it for all of 2013. Our COO co-founder, Chris, who's also an accountant, he and I went to Syracuse together and actually majored in accounting. He joined in July of 2013, right after we got into Amplify. So he was like, okay, you got $50,000. I guess that's enough job security for me to join the company. Hey, what was that deal, by the way? What was the Amplify deal? 50 grand for what? 50 grand for uh, 5%. Okay. So, so fairly, fairly reasonable for an idea from my perspective up front. Um, and then, yeah, their, their value was really not so much on the growing the business perspective or anything like that. Cause we, we were kind of the accountants and 
Uh, it made the product made more sense to us. They were really helpful from an investor introduction perspective and just helping helping us get our name out there within the venture community. Because I knew I knew no one when we started this this whole process. Okay, Top Tribe, many of you ask me all the time, how did I get my website up so fast, so quickly, and why is it doing so well? The answer is simple. I use HostGator.com to keep the thing cranking along. They've got a 45-day money-back guarantee, which is great. I used their free website builder to get the site up because it's ideal for WordPress. It's just what I use. They've got 4,500 templates and a free e-commerce plugin as well and 24-7 support, which we love, right? We love that. I bug the hell out of them. They always get back to me. So I've got you 30% off along with $100 in free AdWords credit. To grab it, just go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan, but you got to do it now. Again, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. You said you have 400 customers and then you have, you said, I think, what, 10 to 15 accounts per customer. So I, can I multiply 400 times 10 accounts per customer? Roughly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, you guys have a pretty healthy user base, right? In the enterprise space. Yep. Yep. And then, I mean, can I extrapolate that further? 400 customers at, again, 20 grand a year. That puts you north of an 8 million run rate at this point, right? Can We can start to extrapolate and get, get close to numbers. Yeah. Is that generally fair somewhere around that's- there? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That is, but yeah, confidential. We don't like to share it, but you're, you you can get a back of the napkin calc there pretty easily. Yeah. And then just to give you credit where credit's due, 300% year over year growth. I mean, that means what, 13 months ago, you guys were doing, I mean, what, like three ish or something like that? Yes, in that, yeah, in that ballpark. What was the, what was the main growth driver between, but behind that 300% year over year growth? Was it expansion revenue, new customers? What was it? little bit of everything. I mean, it, it's been, it's been a, a snowball of, of different concepts. So number one is marketing starting to kick in and making customer acquisition a lot more affordable. Just we have, we have a bit of a brand. We're kind of known in the community. We're brought into sales cycles proactively now. So not everything's an outbound effort for us. So that just made customer acquisition more affordable upsells into our current client base. We have very minimal churn and most of our customers are expanding and buying more seats and growing. So we upsell from that base. Um, and then also just a better product and increased pricing and, you know, better negotiations with a, with a better product. And so I'd say co- a combination of more efficient go-to-market upselling our client base and then better, better pricing and negotiation on the back end. Tell me more about churn. It's obviously critical we, in a company like yours. Yeah. So churn, like I said, it's been really light. And what we do is we look at, we actually break our customers into three segments. So we kind of consider it small, medium, and large. We look at it based on contract value and try to understand who's churning and and why are they churning. And very much like we suspected. So early on, we went ones were back. Hopefully we're going to do really things with that. You know, we hit some home runs in terms of customer acquisition and some and and has some swings and misses as well. So most of our customers who churn are actually because they they got acquired by another company as they were trying to grow. So the the acquiring company will buy them and say, eh, we're not taking on any of your software or we use a competing product. And so we're going to use we're going to make you use that product now. What what's been shocking is we have now had two acquisitions where the parent company utilized Flowcast to go through due diligence and that process. And ultimately, they adopted Flowcast at the parent company level because of that after they saw the application. That's great. So that was awesome to see. Um, the other one is really early on, and th- this is you know totally just totally blunt. In 2015, we had we signed two customers. They were our largest customers to date in that year by far, and they were sales where the CFO purchased it 
and forced it on their team. How big? I mean, give me a sense. Are we talking like six figure annual kind of deals? No, no, no. And this was 2015 when like a $15,000 contract was a really big deal for us. So things have changed drastically. But back then, yeah, it was like literally one was an $18,000 deal and that was a really big deal for us. So we were trying to, we're trying to make things work. And the issue was both were top down purchases by the CFO. And so the team was really resistant to adoption. And so they didn't get off the ground with it. And we ended up churning those two customers. So that was a really early lesson for us to, um, actually not sell to a company where we don't have buy-in from the controller or who people who are ultimately going to be the users. Um, so we've, there have been a couple of times where we have, we have not moved forward with a customer because the team didn't have buy-in. It was yeah. purely a top-down purchase and that's not good for anyone. No one's going to be successful in that, in that scenario. Just cause we're running out of time. Last few economics questions here before we wrap up with the famous five in your enterprise cohort, your most valuable cohort. Are you at net negative revenue churn yet? Yeah, absolutely. Across every, Oh, you are across, across every cohort. cohort. Yeah. Even the smaller one where we have churn, it's because of the, how quickly they're growing. A lot of our pre IPO companies are out of there. So we, we've had about a dozen IPOs on Flowcast in the last year and a half and they grow a lot. You know, they go public, they double their company size. And so all of a sudden they move out of a small uh, contract bucket for us up to maybe even the upper end of the the market for us. How negative are we talking? Like negative 5%, negative 10% or bigger? Uh, Negative... 12, I believe is That's our pretty average. Good. That's pretty good. Quarter. Net negative return. Yeah. All right. And yep. then last question here on economics, CAC, what are you spending to acquire these guys? So, um, I actually don't love the, the CAC metric. Um, I'll tell you, so we're spending about $16,000. The, the metric I look at more so is, um, uh, cost to acquire a dollar of recurring revenue. Cause when you're looking at CAC, you need to understand the ACVs that are coming in the door as well. So I like to boil it down to that one metric and, the target for that is if you're below a dollar, you are a hyper efficient sales organization and you should be spending a lot more money on, on sales and marketing. So we hover anywhere from the way I run the team is we are always striving to hit a dollar, but knowing that as you're scaling up an organization, you're inherently less efficient. So we'll creep up to a dollar 30 or a dollar 50. Then we'll see efficiency kick in. We'll start to go down towards a dollar again, and then I'll hire more on the sales side with that expected inefficiency kind of baked into to growth plans. Interesting. So just to reiterate that, you look at how much it costs you to acquire a new dollar of ARR. So you are okay fluctuating between essentially a dollar up to a dollar fifty, or said differently, that would be a payback yeah. period of twelve months to you know sixteen, seventeen months. Yeah. And I, I want to caveat that with the only reason I'm comfortable spending that is because we bill annually up front. Yeah. If you bill monthly, do not, if you bill monthly, that is not you an go number. Don't do it. Bill. It just, if anyone could take anything away from this, this interview, it's bill annually up front. It's a, it's a life changing move for a business. <laughs> and what do you assume on these customers? Once you get them, what do you assume lifetime value is a minimum? Well, minimum. So it's, it's hard because we've, we've had very little churn. So the average customer technically is, is with us for nine years right now. If you boil down the metrics, um, and so I've just in my head, I kind of think five to six is what we're, what we're, we'll be looking at. But that said, you know, we sign a ton of three-year contracts. Most of our customers renew on a multi-year commitment. Um, so, it, you know, who knows in, in nine years, that might actually end up being a reasonable number. Yeah. It's tough to boil that down and it can lie to you easily, but I think conservatively five years at 20 grand per year at a hundred grand minimum LTV is a good one. You probably have many that have paid you more than that already though, over your life. Yep. All totally. right, good. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what is your favorite business book? Favorite business book, Predictable Revenue. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, CEO I'm following or studying? Well, it's actually uh, one of my mentors, a former CEO, uh, Rob Meinhardt, who was our first investor. He's a guy who, uh, he's been a mentor of mine. We have, have our standing weekly Friday calls and is just 
um, someone who's in the weeds with me and is, isn't well known. No one on the show is going to know who he is, but from a hands-on perspective, he's awesome. Um, and then one of my favorite CEOs was, uh, Zach Nelson from NetSuite. So I got to spend some time with Zach. Um, that was kind of a celebrity like meeting for me. You know, I was a senior accountant using his software. And then a year later I was in, in his office meeting with him, which is pretty crazy. But given what he did with NetSuite selling to Oracle for that kind of dollar value, I was uh, very impressed with Zach as well. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business besides your own? Um, Man, we got Slack. I've been loving Slack. All right, number four. How many hours of sleep? How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Well, I've I have a baby, so between the hours of uh, my shift is from eight p.m. to two a.m. So I'll sleep for you know one to three hours on the couch during that shift, and then uh, then I sleep from two a.m. to eight a.m. and I'll sleep maybe four hours in that. So I'd say I'm averaging uh, four to five hours a night. Okay, that's 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 pretty tough. Okay, so and I saw you still have a ring on. So married, one kiddo, uh, and how old are you? I am 30. I forget now. I'm 33. 33. All right. Take us home. Do the math. (laughs) Take us home. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? What do I wish my 20 year old self knew? Um, I guess that this is, this is very doable starting a company. It's, it's hard for sure, but it is doable. You just need to have uh, confidence in yourself and most importantly, the faith that you'll figure stuff out. Like no one, no one knows everything going into this, but if you have the confidence in yourself that you can just figure stuff out, then you're going to be, you're going to be just fine. Go make it happen. There you guys have it from Mike, founder of Flowcast back in 2012. Go figure it out. You'll make it happen. They're doing really, really well, scaling 300% year over year over the trailing 12 months from about 3 million in AR to somewhere around 8 million in AR today. That comes from serving over 400 teams of accountants, about 10 per team. Again, helping them with, you know, closing out the books, reconciliation, things like that. Uh, they're spending on average 16 grand to acquire these customers, getting it back quickly. He focuses more on dollar to acquire a new, uh, sorry, money to acquire a new dollar of AR, and he's happy to spend a dollar to dollar fifty on that. If it's annual upfront, they're scaling quickly. Thirty-three million bucks raised with their team of ninety-five on the West Coast. Mike, thanks for taking us to the top. Yeah, thank you very much, Nathan. Appreciate your time.